Well, happy anniversary, Thrive Church. Cool day. Uh, today we, we have the joy of joining with parents to dedicate their children. Um, we were sitting around at a staff meeting and we were talking about uh, we've got some kids that need to be dedicated and wouldn't it be a great idea to do that on our anniversary? And then later on, we were having, hey, wouldn't it be great to do that on the day we we're going to have our anniversary? And then a little while later, wouldn't it be great if we did that on the day we had our anniversary? So we kind of got a jam-packed sort of Sunday today, which is really kind of cool. But when we dedicate children, um, it means that the parents are, are publicly stating that they will raise their sons and daughters to honor God. Does, does that make sense? You know, that's what they're saying here. And, and we do this as a body in order to support the parents and, and their kids. Now, I want you to listen to a passage in Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> so Jesus is traveling around the countryside with this group of men that he calls disciples. And at that time, uh, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a very important question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now you can imagine this, right? You can imagine a group of, by most accounts, teenage boys, the youngest of which was probably about 13 at the time, and they're sitting around, they're talking, because this kingdom is, is what Jesus is all about, and he's been preaching about this, and remember, for 18 chapters of Matthew's book, he's been preaching this, and, and so they finally ask him the important question, who's the greatest? And Jesus, <clears throat> he went and he found a little child. I have to remember, in, in those days, um, among Jews, children were, were pretty important, but um, maybe not quite as uh, centric as they are today. But he called a little child to him, and he placed the child among them. Don't miss that. So he's got this group of disciples, and he takes the child. And I, for, for in David world, he steps away, and he kind of points. And he says, right there, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Think about that for a moment. They want to know who's the greatest. And Jesus takes a child and says, look, if you can't get to this point, you can't even enter the kingdom, let alone worry about who's great. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then he says this, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You get the sense that Jesus took kids seriously, don't you? Yeah. And, and so do we. And so I'm just going to invite our, our parents and our kids to come on up here and join me. Machina, too. Come on up here. Let's arrange ourselves.
Uh, and for um, other grandparents and whatnot, this is going to be a great time for a photo op, photo op here pretty soon. So here, let's move this. It'd be in the middle. There we go. She doesn't need her shoes. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, my friends, you have brought these children whom God has given you to be dedicated to God and to his service. You are testifying to your faith in Jesus, and we are thrilled to join you in this. You also show your desire to have your children receive the benefits of consecration to God, the prayers of the church, and that each child may learn to know and follow the will of God. And in order for this to happen, it's going to be your duty to teach your children the fear of the Lord, to watch over their education, that they may not be led astray by false teachings and doctrines, to direct their minds to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all people, and to direct their feet to the sanctuary to restrain them from evil associates and habits, and as much as you are able to bring them up in the Lord's discipline and instructions. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? If so, answer, we will. Yeah. Now, what's so interesting to me about this, um, when we have this little section here about false teachings and holy scriptures, um, out of the parents you see here, four of them have advanced degrees in theology. <laughs> and I know the spouses of uh, the other two spouses, and believe me, they have the mental horsepower to keep up with their spouses. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a fun day to, to do this with them. But here's the thing. Um, there's more to it than just the parents. We are a family, and so I'm just going to invite all of you to stand with me for just a second, because you have a role as a congregation to play in all of this. Brothers and sisters of the Thrive community, you do have a significant role to play in this dedication as well. You are the extended family to these children. And I want you to hear this. I want you to pay close attention. Each child will learn that God loves them because you love them. Do you understand that? That's your role. You are an illustration of our Heavenly Father in His love. And with that charge, I will ask you, will you model Jesus to these families? Will you pray for both parents and children asking for God's protection and blessing on them all? Will you care for their well-being? Will you keep their best interests at heart? And will you assist these families as you are able? If so, please answer, we will with God's help. You may be seated. In Mark chapter 10, we read that people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, which I think is a very interesting word. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And that's what we're going to do today. This is Edelin, and she is, is she sound asleep? No, just leave her right there. Okay, 
So Sheena's going to come over here. Let's just lay on hands. And if you want to take some shots, now's a good time to do that. So this is my good side. So. All right, let's pray. Kind Father, we just pray your blessing on Edelin as um, Tyler and Sabra have chosen to dedicate her. And we are so excited about her life and the things that you're going to do, not just through her, but also inside of her. And I just pray that mom and dad would have um, the strength and the courage and the endurance that they need to raise her, um, to know you, to really know you. And we thank you in advance for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. <clears throat> this is Joel. Joel does not like to sleep. Am I right? Yeah, see. Uh, I know this because on um, Mondays during our, um, our weekly meeting, uh, Dan comes in, he looks very tired all the time. And I'm like, how'd it go last night? And he just does this. And I'm like, okay. So we're not sure why Joel doesn't like to sleep, but he doesn't. Do you think he'll come to me? I think so. He and our buddies. Maybe. He's, he likes this right here. So anyway, let's go and lay on hands and let's pray for Joel, okay? Kind Father, we thank you for Joel and all of the things that make him interesting. God, we just pray for him and that you would protect him. And uh, Lord, that uh, he would be healthy and safe all of his life. Thank you for his parents and their willingness to follow you in this. And God, we bless him in the name of Jesus and ask you to add your blessing to ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There it goes. He's looking at me like, who is this guy? So, and this is Everly. I think she'll come to me. I'm not. Yeah, want to see me? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Good. The best part is um, Everly has three brothers. They don't have names. They're just the Everly brothers. <laughs> She is such a mellow kid. She's just, just great. So anyway, let's, let's pray for Everly, okay? Kind Father, we thank you so much for Everly's life. Lord, we pray that you would give her the strength and energy she needs to keep up with her brothers. But also, Lord, that you would just watch over her, keep her healthy and safe. Lord, that she would grow to know you and that um, she would just exhibit um, your life and your character all of her days. Thank you for, for her. And we pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, there we go. Oh. <laughs> there we go. All right, parents, grandparents, if you want to take a quick picture, you can go ahead and do that with all the lights. That'd be great. So, and be snapping. This is paparazzi time. So anyway, good. After service, would you uh, make sure that you uh, congratulate these parents and go meet the kids? Anyway, thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Well, that's cool, isn't it? I like that. There are three things that I enjoy doing almost more than anything else. Uh, one is baptisms. 
Uh, others, baby dedications, and third is weddings, and I got to do two of those, two of those three, this weekend. And so congratulations to the entire Duncan Nightingale clan as Jessica just married Mr. Zach Price yesterday. It was very successful. Yes, woohoo is exactly right. <laughs> It was a good day. We had this short window of opportunity where there was no rain, and we weren't sure where the frame was going to be. And by the way, the rain quit about an hour before the wedding and started up again about two hours after. So praise be to God for that, right? It was good. Hey, I want to make sure that I also invite everybody, um, before I get rolling here, to um, join us over at the new Thrive Space, which is on the corner of 81st and Aspen in Broken Arrow. It is on the northeast corner. It's kind of behind uh, the Bank of America there. You, you'll, you'll see it. What, what, what did I say? Bank of America? Bank of Oklahoma. Thank you. It's right next to the Village Vet. And that's the easy one to see because the letters are as big as me. I mean, they're just huge letters on the side. Um, we uh, just had a, a sign put on the the glass door, so you should be able to find it there in the corner. Uh, we are still having a discussion with the city of Broken Arrow about the sign on the building. <clears throat> so you might want to be praying for that one. And uh, we're going to do an open house from about 11.30 until 1. I'll have some treats for you. You get a chance to look around. Um, we're still not done with it, but uh, we've had some of our staff saying, hey, I really want to start having meetings there. And, and I'm like, all right, let's hit the gas because it's go time. And uh, so we thought, what a great opportunity, again, to do this on our second anniversary. So here we are. We're going to do that. Just invite you to come over. I'm going to try to sneak out over there after service and make sure everything's opened up. And you just come when you can, uh, either before lunch or if you want to wait till after lunch, that's fine. But we'll be there about until about 1 o'clock, and you can kind of see the space and, and uh, visit a little while over there. Okay? Sound good? Excellent. All right. So... Um, little peek into pastors, pastors' families' life. Sometimes, um, my wife and I will pray uh, before we, we go to bed. And I say sometimes um, because we, we don't have our act together all the time, and we don't sometimes um, remember to do it. We fall into bed just like you because we're super tired and, and, uh, and fall asleep. And by the way, Praying right before you go to sleep is not really a good idea because you fall asleep in the middle of the prayer and then you wake up a few hours later and then you're feeling guilty, you know? So it's just, it's not... And sometimes you slur your words and it just sounds funny. And anyway, we don't... Yeah, don't do that. But a couple weeks ago, something happened and I want to share um, with you something out of my own experience. We had just finished a very busy weekend um, which is like a lot of weekends for us. And I would imagine your family is, is very similar too. Um, but we also had a couple of late nights and early mornings. And we had, uh, I think one of our, our kids just wasn't feeling good one of those nights. And it was up in the middle of the night. Not quite like Joel Farkas, but still, you know, it, it, it can feel for that. And I remember... Uh, we're almost asleep, and I just felt like I needed to say something. And so I, I just grabbed my wife's hand, and I said a uh, quick prayer. And just and thank you for the day. And, and I said, Lord, may we please have a good night's sleep tonight. That's it. 
And uh, we woke up the next morning a little bit later than we normally do. And Lisa looked at me and she goes, did we sleep all night? <laughs> yeah, we did. And there was kind of this collective, well, thanks be to God, <laughs> kind of a thing. And we actually slept all through the night. Because that hadn't happened in several nights. You know how that goes, right? You're just exhausted. And, and every, um, every day, pretty much, but especially on Mondays, I grabbed my journal and I was reflecting about that experience the night before. And something dawned on me. Normally, when I pray for something and, I'm, and I, I ask God, I will say something like, um, God, please keep us healthy and safe. God, please give us a good night's sleep. And I was, I was actually writing this in my journal, and I thought to myself, that's not really a request. I mean, it's a request in the sense of like your boss is saying, please have the report to me on Monday. It's a request, but it's not really a request. It's like when you look at your kids and say, uh, please empty the dishwasher. It's a request, but it's not really a request, right? You understand what I'm saying? Have you experienced this before? It's not really a request. And I was, I was thinking about that, and I realized that the night before, my wording had changed. I didn't say, please give us a good night's sleep. I said simply, Lord, will you, will you please, would you please allow us a good night's sleep? And I want to be real careful here, because I don't want you to think that changing the words of a prayer gets God to do something, as if there's a formula to it, as if, you know, well, if I just put them in the right order and I use the right words and, and it sounds a certain way that God's going to act. No, 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 no. That's called an incantation, and God does not bow to magic, ever. So it's not necessarily about putting the right words together. But what I realized as I was journaling about this is that the words truly reflected what was in my heart. Oh God, please help us. Would, would you please help us? It was a true request. Lord, may we please have a good night's sleep tonight. Does that make sense? The words reflected that was in my heart. Would you intervene on our behalf? Would, would you please do that? That's a request. It's different than, please do this. And as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of a particular passage. And you've, you've heard this one before, too. In fact, this is a, a classic Sunday school passage. Here it is in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. How many of you remember this verse? Yes, this is familiar to you? Of course. Of course. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, that's different than making a demand or a command and kicking the door down. Right? It's very different than that. To ask simply and humbly, to seek God, to chase after His presence, even for a short period of time. And to knock means it's persistent. In fact, there's another uh, parable that Jesus gives later on. And He talks about a person who's 
at midnight knocking on his neighbor's door because he has a guest and needs food. And he says, if you keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking, eventually the person's going to open the door for you. And so there's a certain amount of persistence to this. But ask, seek, and knock, we've, we've heard this a hundred times. And, and this is incredibly important because of what follows. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, thanks Jesus, appreciate that, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you, give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, not the veiled request, but the actual request. And if you seek his presence and if you are persistent in that seeking and you're persistent in your asking, God will give you good gifts. Now, by the way, sometimes the good gift is not getting what you ask for. Let's just be honest about that. Not always. But you still can ask. And that's okay. It's important to see that. Now, I'm going to tell you, I thought that's where I was going to end. I thought, there's a sermon right there. We can talk about asking. And my plan was, I'm going to tell you what my plan was. My plan was to encourage all of you to think about how you ask God for some things. And then offer to pray with you in the back, uh, as, as Pastor James and I often do. And that, was, that was my game plan. And then, because it was our second anniversary, I was also going to ask everyone to pray for Thrive and, and ask God to help us connect. Could we make a request together asking God to intervene on our behalf so we can connect with more people and, and help them feel like they're loved? And, and that, 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 that was the game plan. But I had this nagging thought. Matthew chapter 7 is part of a bigger piece called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you know anything about the Sermon on the Mount, it's where Jesus is outlining, sketching, detailing this idea of the kingdom of God. Or in Matthew, it's the kingdom of heaven. But it's the same sort of thing. Because one of the things we believe here is that Jesus is less interested in getting us all into heaven and he's more interested in bringing heaven to earth. And that the church is the outpost of that kingdom. That's what we believe. And so when we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we get an idea of what the kingdom is, these are, are, are ways for us to express that kingdom as a church. And also, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the difference between um, belonging and fitting in. Belonging and fitting in. And for those of you who haven't heard this part, belonging is when I'm with a group of people and I can be myself. Fitting in, fitting in, is when I have to be like you. Do you hear that? Belonging is when I can be myself, but fitting in means I have to be like you, I have to act like you, I have to look like you. I have to, and we've been talking about this as a church. And so I read a little bit more of Matthew chapter 7, and I backed up a little bit. And um, here's what I found. Verses 1 through 6. Let me just take this piece by piece. Do not judge 
or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. <laughs> and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the old King James Version was, um, Judge not, lest ye be judged. I like this a little bit better. It's a little easier for me to understand. But we also have to be somewhat careful here because judgment doesn't mean that Christians lose their mental faculties. There is a difference between judging in a condemning sort of way and there's another uh, idea of judging in an evaluation. Because Christians need to discern what is right and good and true and holy. That kind of judgment is fine. We're making a judgment call, but we're not judging a person for what they look like or what they talk like or the decisions that they've made. And we're not judging them for that. That's what he's saying. Don't judge them for those things. We can't condemn them, but we do need to evaluate. And then he goes on further because, you know, this, this, this needs a little bit of fleshing out. Verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. <laughs> First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, we've heard this too, right? We've heard this. If you grew up in Sunday school, you probably, and, and probably in Sunday school, they didn't call it a plank. They call it a two-by-four or something like that. I don't know. Something a little more culturally relevant or up-to-date, whatever. But he talks about this idea of plank and speck. And why does he do that? You're just talking about judgment. Now he's talking about planks and sawdust. And why? Well, first of all, he's telling you, you're responsible for you first. Right? And then, I think this is the important piece. Once you've dealt with that thing, whatever your thing is, and you all got things, whatever that happens to be, you then can help the other person. And please understand that. Jesus doesn't stop with just pulling the plank out of your own eye. He still says, then you can help the other person. Why? Maybe because when you deal with your own stuff, you're a little more compassionate towards other people who are dealing with their issues. And I remember hearing this story several years ago in seminary, and um, the guy who was, was speaking um, said, you know, we do a really good job in the church of raising up the person who has had some type of miraculous experience, some type of miraculous um, deliverance from sin or addiction or something like that. He says, it's almost tragic that we do that. I mean, it's great because we want to applaud God. Thank you, God, for doing that. But, but he says, it's almost tragic because the vast majority of people don't get the miraculous deliverance. They've got to slog through the hard work of getting through their issues. And he says, I finally figured out why God does that. He said, the person who has received the miraculous healing or whatever it happens to be very often has no patience for everyone else dealing with it. Well, I got saved. How come you can't? But the person who actually goes through the swamp is much more willing to stick out a hand and say, let me help you, because I've been there. God doesn't waste tragedy, ever. 
The reason why we have to work through those issues very often is to make us compassionate for the person who is also going through that. You remove the plank out of your eye so that you can see clearly to help the person with their speck. Does that make sense? Is this, is this making sense that there's a compassion that's being built here? Oh, yeah, I remember what that was like. And, and good heavens, I don't want you to have to go through that. Let me help you. That's very different than judging somebody. Do you get that sense? There's a love and a compassion here that I think Jesus is after for all of us. And then, then this is the part that just astonishes me. This is verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Oh, there's some visuals, right? Let me ask this question. How many of you have had an experience where you've seen somebody that you know and, and you love dearly, and you see them about ready to make a bad decision or just made a bad decision? And you've looked at them and you've said, that's wrong, don't do it that way, here's how you're supposed to do it. How'd that work out for you? You see, this is what Jesus is saying. If you're going to judge that, if you are going to do it without compassion, don't be surprised if you've got a pearl of wisdom, if you have something sacred and holy, and you're tossing it before pigs or dogs. Because the pigs have no use for pearls, they trample them, which is another word of saying they will ignore it. They will ignore your good advice, no matter how good it is or it isn't. And if you throw something sacred to dogs and you do it in such a way without compassion, do not be surprised if they turn on you. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us. We've got the right answer. We give it out to them and then we're genuinely surprised when they're mad at us. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is, is saying this idea of having compassion for, for other people and making sure that you know, we're not talking about people who are different from us as being dogs or swine. That's not what we're suggesting at all. But please understand what's happening here. And he's digging in, into this. And then, after this, is when he talks about ask, seek, and knock. So you may see a person who's going through something, and you may have the right answer, it's then that you ask God for his guidance. You seek him. You chase after his presence. And you gently knock on the door of that other person and eventually God opens that door. The problem is, is it's not as fast as we would like. We are an impatient microwave kind of people. Instapot, right? Instapot. Somebody said that to me the other day. We don't have one of those yet. So we're that kind of, we're not crockpot people, we're instapot people. We want something immediate, and that's what Jesus is saying. Mm, this has got to be on God's timing if you want a God result. If you want a God result in another person's life, you're doing, you've got to do it on his timing, not on yours. God bless you for wanting to be impatient, but there's something else that's going on in the life of that person. And frankly, there's something else going on in the life of you. And, and putting all of this together, I'm just going to tell you, I never noticed this before. I've never seen this progression. This idea of judging, of compassion, and specks, and sawdust, and all that, and dogs, and swine, and then, ask, seek not. 
He's telling us to ask and seek and knock for the benefit of the other person. Not just for the benefit of ourselves. No, that doesn't mean that if you've got an issue, you should be asking, you should be seeking, you should be knocking. And I think God will open that door for you as well. But when you're, when you're in the midst of it with someone else, ask, seek, knock. Thrive Church, if, if we want to connect with other people, if we want to help them belong before they believe, right? That's kind of what we're saying here. People want to belong before they believe, and then maybe they'll behave a little bit differently. If we want them to belong before they believe, we have to be mindful not to judge. Don't judge them because you know what? You've not lived their story. Knock it off. You have no idea why the, they made the decisions that they made. You, didn't, you weren't there in that moment. So we have no place to judge that. We may have made the same decision under those circumstances. And, and deal with your own junk first because then you can see clearly somebody else's junk and maybe have a little compassion towards them. And before you go out doling out the holiness, <laughs> without some kind of relationship with that person, don't be surprised if it ends badly. Right? Ask, seek not. Instead, ask God for a blessing on that person. Seek God. Chase after his presence. By the way, that's just good advice. Always start there. Always start with chasing after the presence of God. And then knock. Because God will often open a way after those things. After you've asked him humbly, after you've actually sought his presence, then God will open that door. That's not a formula. That's just a way of checking yourself, going, where's my heart in all of this? Because what I've noticed is, is that our words reflect what's going on inside. And God is after the heart more than he is after the words. So here we are on our two-year anniversary. And yeah, I'm thinking about the next two years. I'm always thinking about the next two years. But my prayer is that we would be an ask, seek, knock kind of people. That when it comes to others and this idea of belief and, and what we hope for others would be really about belonging first, that we would put it in the right order. And that we would have the right heart when we connect with others. And so I'm just going to ask everyone um, today, as you think about two years, two, can you believe this? We've been doing this for two years. And here we are, and we're thinking about the next two years. How do we help people belong? We start with our own hearts. We start with our own hearts.